1: Let's turn our attention to headlines coming out from the region. From U.S. President Joe Biden's new trade initiative in the region to Malaysia's decision to curb the export of chickens and the firing of Vietnam's general director of its main Ho Chi Minh stock exchange. To give us an analysis on those headlines, we have on the line Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent with The Straits Times. Good morning, Leslie. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. Thank you.
1: So let's start with uh, U.S. President Joe Biden has recently announced that 13 countries have joined a new U.S.-led Asia-Pacific trade initiative touted as a counterweight to China's aggressive expansion in the region. Now, which ASEAN countries have joined this new trade initiative, Leslie? Who has opted out for now and why?
0: Well, you know, the seven of them are with the agreement. There's Brunei, Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand, Singapore, Vietnam and Malaysia. The notable absentees are Myanmar, Cambodia, and Laos, and we suspect that's because of their, you know, lest they offend their chief patron, which is China. So they haven't joined the group as yet, which we don't think they will. You know, the interesting thing is that questions have risen about how effective this proposed pact will be, because unlike previous trade agreements that revolved around bringing down barriers, such as tariffs and easing access to markets, this one is aimed at on agreeing on standards in areas such as you know the digital economy, supply chain, clean energy infrastructure, and also anti-corruption measures. So, you know, it's very broad, and how countries will come together to kind of recalibrate all of this is going to be interesting. I think it's also important to note that China has responded fairly forcefully, saying that it's committed to working with integrating regional economies, particularly in ASEAN. So, which is appears to be a PSB, direct response to this U.S. move. So more news ahead, I think, in the coming weeks on this.
1: And let's also touch on the incentives and benefits that come with joining such a trade pact for a country in Southeast Asia. What would you say that is?
0: Like I said, it will be having this standard, clearly some kind of synchronizing of standards you know, in these areas of digital economy. I think the main focus now is to ensure minimum disruptions in the supply chains, which is becoming a huge problem for economies all over the world. So these, I think, would be the main points where these countries will be focusing on.
1: Yeah, a very interesting trade initiative. Let's, you know, move on to Prime Minister Ismail sabri Yaqob who announced that Malaysia will curb the export of chickens from June 1st. Now, 34% of Singapore's chicken exports in 2021 were from Malaysia. I know this story has caused a bit of uproar here because we're all wondering what's going to happen next. So, what is the rationale behind Malaysia's government to uh, you know, halt the export of chickens? What kind of ripple effect can we expect from this move? Also, from your perspective, do you think this is even, you know, necessary.
0: In the export ban, I think, reflects how the crisis is, how serious this crisis is. And it's certainly more serious than previously thought. Local newspapers have been counting that the government's move to remove this import permits called APs, would help resolve the situation immediately, you know, cut off the middleman and allow imports of chicken and supplies of chicken to flow in. But... You know, the move to ban exports clearly is a very knee jerk reaction and I don't think it is going to solve the problem in any way. One thing I believe that is going to happen is that, you know, the ready market of Singapore that has been there for chicken poultry farmers in Malaysia for very, very long time is really going to, is really going to be jeopardized because Singapore for sure is going to move to other sources of of supply, and by the time Malaysia is ready to get back into the export market, you know those opportunities will no longer be there. So this really, I think, is going to have some serious long term repercussions.
1: Yeah, I'm also thinking. I mean, even though the COVID 19 pandemic has somewhat eased, I mean, it's not completely over yet. So, wouldn't you think that Malaysia and all these other countries that sort of export, why would they be doing this though? Why now? You
0: know, well, because the thing is that I think costs have gone up. And one of the reasons why the chicken supply has completely shrunk in Malaysia is because poultry farmers to some extent are very much a cartel in Malaysia and they have basically what they did was they closed their uh, poultry farms over the weekend and that's caused the shortage and the main reason is because they're protesting against the government's failure to pay subsidies on fertilizers for the past several months so this until those issues are resolved and I think there are many issues to be resolved because There are serious structural problems in the food supply system in Malaysia, ecosystem. And what's happening is that those issues have not been dealt with decisively. The government, I think, rather than come up with these export ban initiatives, should actually look seriously at the structural problems in the food supply
1: Yeah, we certainly haven't heard the last from Malaysia regarding uh, chicken. Still sticking with Malaysia meeting between the Foreign Minister Datuk Sri Saifuddin Abdullah and representatives of National Unity Government has caused a stir. Now, why did Malaysia organize such a meeting, despite knowing the potential reactions and repercussions? Did Malaysia achieve what they wanted to from the meeting? Or, you know, from your perspective, do you think that, you know, ASEAN approach towards Myanmar will shift after this meeting. I think it's an interesting
0: thing moved by Foreign Minister Saifuddin. I wonder how this has gone down with his other Asian colleagues who have remained silent so far. But, you know, the military rulers of Myanmar have not. They've accused Malaysia of supporting terrorism by holding talks with the ousted civilian government but you know, one has to remember that it was also Foreign Minister Saifuddin who pushed for the exclusion of Myanmar at the ASEAN summit in October last year. You know, I think the question is what happens from here. It's clearly a split in ASEAN, you know, on how to deal with Myanmar. And I think even the exclusion hasn't done very much. So there needs to be some kind of soul-searching within ASEAN on how it really needs to deal with this problem. I suspect Malaysia's move, Foreign Minister Saifuddin's move, will probably hasten that and bring that issue right to the front burner. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.
1: Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. You know, coming back to Singapore, Leslie, this story has also been uh, doing the rounds. Indonesian preacher Abdul Somad Batubara, who was denied entry to Singapore on May 16th, uh, says he will not give up trying to visit Singapore. This comes after a protest broke out in front of the Singapore embassy in Jakarta over the weekend. Now, Singapore, of course, has their own reasons for not letting Mr. Abdul into the country. But why is he still insisting on coming into Singapore? Is Singapore the only country uh, he has been denied entry into?
0: Well, you know, like like you pointed, Singapore has the right to refuse anyone. And the government's decision basically what we understand, is clear concern that this preacher, Bazubara had made provocative messages to his supporters, including those in Singapore. And, you know, so I suspect many countries now will put him on the radar. And even if he does get permission to visit a foreign country, he certainly is going to be under surveillance. But then again, this is perhaps what he wants, you know, the kind of attention so he can actually raise his profile even more in this region.
1: Yeah, we certainly haven't heard the last of that story as well. Before I let you go, Leslie, let's uh, you know talk a little bit about Vietnam. Uh, they fired the general director of its main Ho Chi Minh stock exchange. Now, what was the reason for the Vietnamese government to do this? And is this part of their anti-corruption drive efforts? Has anyone else suffered the same fate?
0: Well, you know, yes. Uh, another colleague at the Vietnamese uh, stock exchange was sacked also, was removed. And this goes down to, you know, allegations of serious stock market manipulation insider trading and also not moving in on people who are manipulating the market. And, you know, this has happened in regional markets before. And, you know, Vietnam does enjoy kind of a cowboy status, actually, a reputation of their market. The government clearly feels that, you know, it really needs to get this the stock market to become more transparent and to be run effectively. And you know, all, a lot of countries have gone through this in the region. And this is clearly a sure sign that the government is getting serious, that it wants to attract foreign investment. And one way to do it is to, you know, cleaning up your, the, the affairs in your stock market, which is typically the first point of where foreign investors, particularly portfolio investors, visit when they decide to look at a country. So this is really you know, Vietnam's way of you know, cleaning up the ship.
1: We've been in conversation with Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent with The Straits Times. Thank you so much for your time uh, this morning. Thank you. And you. Uh, I'll catch up with you later. All right.
0: The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O,
1: like us and rate us.